0: Good morning. I remember you. It's it's been a couple Sundays since I've been here and it's really nice to be back. Really, really nice. I I was telling some friends that as soon as we got back from our trip to Idaho, I didn't really feel even though we were home, I didn't feel home. Like I just felt like I left part of me in the snow and in Idaho. But coming here this morning, I feel like I'm finally coming back to myself. And that's because I'm with you guys and so Hi. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All that fun stuff. Um, Yeah, we were up in like two and a half feet of snow in Idaho, my parents' cabin. And I'll be honest, it was a little hard to leave, so that's why I'm going back to the snow tomorrow. And then that's why we're going back on the 30th. So come with us. If you're interested in the snow day on the 30th, then my email address is in your bulletin. And uh, we'll be giving a sign-up sheet and stuff like that, so we'll let you know. We're going to get a really good deal on a snow day, skiing, snowboarding, all that stuff. So, and then one other thing I need to tell you guys about before we jump into the message is this thing we're going to do Friday, January 22nd. It's going to be the fourth Friday of every month from here on out, most likely. It's called the Sandbox. And the Sandbox is time for me or other leaders here or other people in our community to take some time, probably two and a half, three hours on a Friday night, and just Start up some discussion about something having to do with God, theology, the world. Just kind of open time to play within some boundaries to explore and dialogue about things like, who knows, heaven and hell and judgment and the last days. and Lighthearted topics. <laughs> things like family systems dynamics. And um, I'm guessing, I'm thinking, there's one or two directions I'm thinking for the first one. I can't tell you just yet, but we're either going to go with talking about Between Two Trees, which is kind of my take on the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, which will kind of provide the framework for everything else that we'll talk about. That's one direction we might go. The other direction is we might talk about heart, soul, mind, and strength, and what does it look like in a practical way to love the Lord with all of your spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical capacity. So those are two options that I'm split 50-50 between. But just come and find out. That's... Friday, the 22nd, at the office. We're probably going to have to limit the numbers of how many we can fit in there. We could probably fit, what, 15? Is that something we said? So Laura and I are, she's going to help me coordinate all that, and we will um, we'll get you her contact info if you're interested, and she'll kind of help coordinate the logistics for that. But I'm excited. I'm getting to this point where Sunday mornings are really fun for me, but there's just this overflow. I'm like, what about the other stuff? What about the stuff that doesn't fit in 30 minutes or 45 or 70 or however long I end up taking on a Sunday morning? What about that? That's what the sandbox is for. So I'm excited about it. What else? Uh, I woke up at 3.20 this morning. (laughs) Brandon and I talked at 9.30 last night. I was like, I'm going to bed. I didn't. I woke up at 3.20. I didn't go back to sleep. So this is what you get. (laughs) This is not me on coffee. This is me. You don't want me to have coffee. Um, So I'm feeling that that wired, tired feeling right now. So enjoy whatever is about to come to you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. hey, will you join me in prayer? Father, you really are wonderful. You animate us. You energize us. You enliven us, spirit. You're with us, and Jesus, you've given everything for us, so that we can know the Father and sense the Spirit. And would you make yourself really real to us, really tangible? Would we sense your presence this morning, in a way that maybe we haven't in a long time? Would you stir in us, surface in us a sense of expectation to not just come and do church, but to come and meet the living God? Awaken desire in our hearts this morning to know you more and to be more like you. For your kingdom's sake we pray. Amen. So I need to tell you all, before you get mad at me, we will be having more worship. We're not just only going to do two songs. I'm going to give a message and then we're going to move into a time of hybrid worship and ministry okay so there will be more to come and yeah beth has a lot more to give so there'll be more but i wanted to say that while we're having the message um nikki brought us some snacks thank you and most of them are gone already but there's some coffee over there feel free during the message to make your way over there and snack up okay don't feel locked to your seats all right this morning We're going to talk, I know I'm about a week late. Betty gave most of my message last week. I listened to it. It was really good. Who was here last Sunday? Super good. How many people are like, Betty, you need to teach here more often? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So we need to hound her when she's back next Sunday and be like, all right, when are you teaching next? But um, you'll be able to listen to that online at any point you want. It's up on the website. So yeah, so Betty stole my message, though. So that leaves me with um, the leftovers talk about. I want to talk about New Year's resolutions and how awkward those can be and what's going on around this time of year. And we're going to talk about the first resolution in human history and what went wrong there. And then say, well, what might it look like for us to do it right? So I have scripture. I have notes. I have PowerPoint. I have a lot. I was thinking recently, New Year 2016, it's crazy that I haven't taught here since last year, Um, but it's a new year and these new things stir in us, but I was thinking back over Scripture and it made me wonder, why does God seem to be so obsessed with new? Think for a minute about all the Scriptures, all the things that God says that have something to do with newness. What are some examples that come to your mind? Any scripture where God says something about new, something new? A new day? New hearts? Yeah, Jeremiah 27? New creation? New covenant? New, new, new. What else, what other new things are there? What about this? What about our wine drinkers, Joseph? New wineskins? New wine, new wineskins? The new has come, the old has passed away. What about Jesus' oh man, there's that scene in The Passion of the Christ that's totally taken out of context in the movie, but just so beautiful as he falls in front of his mother and his mom comes and she wants to come help him up and he says, Behold, Mother, I'm making all things new. Dowsers. God seems to be obsessed with new I thought, why is that? What is it about new? What's wrong with the way we are? I mean, we have like, (laughs) okay, now some of you would object to that statement immediately and you're like, all right, now, Chris, do you really want to have said that? But would you at least admit that although in some sense we're drawn to the new, we're also repelled by it? How many of you would agree with that? That there's a part of us that, that likes the new, but we're also freaked out by the new. Because it's unknown. And so we kind of live in this limbo of like, I want the new, but I don't want the new. And God, don't give me too much new at once because I can't handle that. So, and God's like, I don't know what you want from me. And we're like, I don't either. But I was thinking about new, and the thing that I love about new is that it's, it speaks of transformation. It speaks of old things moving back, but really the thing I love about new is that it's dynamic. And when I think of new, the word that comes to my mind is this word becoming. It's a sense that we are ever becoming. Any of you C.S. Lewis fans in here? Who reads C.S. Lewis? All right. Well, this is a rip off of C.S. Lewis. OK, so the screw Tape Letters, anybody read that? Oh, yeah. Classic, classic writing. So this is a book that is not the Screw Tape Letters, but it's the same idea. It's an interview a Jewish rabbi named Edwin Friedman interviewing the devil. And it's actually really comical, but really profound. Can I read you a little excerpt of it real quick? It's always curious to hear what the devil would say to a rabbi, right? Always interesting. Listen to this in light of God's obsession with the new and this idea of becoming, constantly becoming. The creator of this universe was not content to clone As in, make static His image. Being a God of process, the Holy One wanted His creatures to be constantly in the act of becoming. I read that and that hit me pretty hard. As we think about 2016, what aspect of that process of becoming has God invited us into? The Holy One wanted his creatures to be constantly in the act of becoming. Wow. How many of you feel like you still have more to become? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm going to read a little bit more. This necessitated a world of absolute freedom. And it meant that the key to life was the response to challenge. Oh, there's a doozy. It meant that the key to life was the response to challenge. Anybody face challenges in 2015? Anybody just want to kind of get them behind you? Did anybody grow profoundly in the face of challenge from 2015? Yeah. But I want to emphasize this, or you, this is the devil speaking to the interviewer, the rabbi. I want to emphasize this, or you won't understand the method in my madness, so to speak. The issue of response to challenge was not simply of survival, but of growth. The whole point of challenge was not simply that difficulties were to be overcome or nullified, but to be experienced in such a way that the encounter with adversity actually fostered further growth, a higher development of the soul, and increased maturity. In other words, he's saying the Holy One has wired the universe in a way that it's free, that it's open, that it's becoming, and the way we become is in response to challenge. How many of you are like, thanks, God? (laughs) Thanks for that one. In a minute, we're going to look at the first New Year's resolution in the history of humanity. But we need to talk about it in the context of longing of human longing. How many of you found that as you turned the corner to 2016, you found new longings surfacing in your heart, new desires, desires for growth, desires for transformation, desires, things you wanted to change in yourself, things you wanted healed in yourself? I think I need to take control of the, Or do we have, Mike, do you want to just go to the next one for me there? Let's take a look real quick. At Genesis chapter 3, we're going to land and hone in on verse 6 for a minute. Speaking of Eve, the narrator says that the woman, Eve, saw that this tree, the tree they're speaking of is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She sees this tree and she sees that this is beautiful. She saw that its fruit was good to eat and that it would make her wise. Hmm, what is Eve longing for as she stares at this tree? She's longing for wisdom. Now this word desire here, it's in, I'm not sure what translation, oh, so the ICB, anybody familiar with ICB? It is, it's International Children's Bible. Now we get really scholarly up here in Coastland. Yeah, I'm a Fuller Seminary graduate. Ah, International Children's Bible. This is the ICB. It says that the woman saw that the tree was beautiful. She saw that its fruit was good to eat and that it would make her wise. In other translations, it says that it was desirable to make one wise. That word desirable is this Hebrew word. It's, I think it's probably something like hamad. I'm not very good at Hebrew. Um, I have friends that could say it a lot better, but It actually has this connotation of sensual, even sexual, desire to it. It's this profound longing, this desire to encounter something with repercussions that transcend the senses, if that makes sense. She sees this, and it says that it will make her wise. Now, Eve gets a bad rap often, doesn't she? Because we know the rest of the story. We know that she's going to what? She's going to take from the tree. She's going to eat the fruit. She gives it to her husband. And the next thing we know, what enters the story? Shame, guilt, brokenness, all of these things, right? And often we say, well, Eve, what were you doing thinking that it was on you to become wise? And let's look, Mike, we go to the next one, actually. Look at what verse 5 says. This is what the devil tells her. For God knows that when you eat from this tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Now here's a question for you to think about. Was Eve's desire to be like God and to be wise, was that a sinful desire or was it a God-given desire? And another question, her response to the tree and the way she appropriated that desire, was that a sinful appropriation? or a God-directed appropriation. You see, when longings surface in our hearts, and this is where we're going to go, is we're going to talk about two routes to deal with longing. Raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution at some point in your life. <laughs> Raise your hand if you made one this year. Somebody drop a New Year's resolution on us. Somebody tell us what your resolution is, or was. Come on. It's personal, isn't it? Anybody willing? All right, how about this? All right, Beth, you going to put yourself out there? All right, you're going to be a good joke teller. That's your resolution. All right. You want to practice now? <laughs> There's no such thing as inappropriate at Coastlands. All right, you can practice on me later. All right, how about this, what are some general, what are some of the cookie cutter New Year's resolutions that you often encounter? I'm going to work out more. What else? No more ice cream. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to exercise more. What's that? I'm going to surf more. (laughs) Learning young. How many of you that made a New Year's resolution are still holding fast to your resolution at this point? You're still going strong with it? How many of you bailed after a couple days? Last year, 2015, my New Year's resolution was I'm going to read through the entire Bible in a year, the chronological Bible. And I knew that I needed to set it up in a way that it would be like the lowest barrier of entry, right? The easiest point of entry. So I set my phone to send me notifications, and I just slide the thing and it sends me right to the passage you need to read. I was done by day three. I had jumped ship. (laughs) January 3rd, I had bailed on my resolution. That's super bad. (laughs) So this message is about to come out of a place of guilt and shame. (laughs) Partially true. So I actually reframed that resolution for this year. And I made it to day four, but I'm doing it every other day. And I'm just giving myself a lot more grace. Um, But I am doing it. So this is what happens with resolutions. Think about this for a minute. We make resolutions, and then... Let me back up a little bit. Before we talk about what happens when we make resolutions, let's talk about the nature of a resolution. A resolution is static, right? A resolution is, I'm going to do this thing. It's pretty black and white. Like, if I do not do this thing, I'm a failure. A resolution is based on willpower. I'm going to make the choice to surf more. I'm going to coordinate my environment or my alarm clock so that I wake up earlier. A resolution is based on self-discipline, isn't it? I had something super important I wanted to say about resolutions, and I don't want to miss it. Ah, well, just think about this for a minute. How does it work when you try to exert your willpower over another human being? How many of you, the holidays, are the holidays because, (laughs) yeah, we don't need to go there, right? But wasn't it kind of fun to talk about holiday dynamics before we got into the midst of the holiday dynamics? So have you ever been driving in the fast lane and you come up behind a car in an area where the speed limit's 75 and they're going a strong 68 if you want to be generous? And what do you do? You can't get around them, so... I've seen people do this, not in a yellow Mini Cooper, but I've seen people get up right on their butts, right, and flash their lights. And what is the hope? The hope is you can will them to either speed up or you can will them to get in the other lane. Inevitably, what are they going to do? They're going to slow down and make you mad, and then you're in California, you're like, your gunshot's stuck, right, because you know it's not going to go well. So it seems to say that willpower exerted over another human being doesn't really work that well. Well, let me ask you a question. How about willpower exerted over yourself? How long does that last you? How well does that work for you? How well do you do when you determine, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. When does that run out of steam? so maybe there has to be another way, right? Because what did Eve do? So Eve, her resolution was, I'm going to become wise for the year, I guess we screwed up their calendar, but for her it's the year zero. And she's like, for this year, I am going to become wise. And she says, here's a way to do that. But the way she chose was not relational. It was based on willpower. And here's the problem with resolutions. They're often quick, Fix-oriented, aren't they? Anybody ever try a diet out at the beginning of a year? And you found that even if you lost the weight, you still didn't feel better about your body? Or anybody decide to budget at the beginning of a year? And you find that it doesn't fix your views on money and finance and wealth? Oh yeah, I want to dismiss the kids. Coastlands, hashtag, we're on top of things. Do you see what I'm saying, though? Don't resolutions often take us towards the route of quick fix? But quick fixes don't lead to maturity, do they? They lead to what? A quick fix. You know that the word resolution itself, think about what it comes from. It comes from the word resolve, which you might need to help me on this, Ms. Shotwell. But the word resolution comes back from the English word resolve and the Latin word resolution which both come back to this Latin word resolvere. Now here's the kicker. This Latin word resolvere, you know what it originally meant? To loosen or release. How many of you feel loosened or released or freed up by your resolutions? How many of you feel gripped, constrained, suffocated by your resolutions? How many of you feel free when you fail them? Isn't that interesting? The original intent of the word was to loosen or release, and all of a sudden for us it's become the thing of quick fix and tighten your grip. Because isn't that what resolve something means? To resolve something means to set it in stone, to make it done, to have it fixed. It becomes static. Interesting. How did that work for Eve? Well, we're still paying the price for it. So is there another option when we're presented with a profound longing that surfaces within our being? You know what I think Eve was invited into that she didn't see? Was there another path forward for Eve through which she could find wisdom? How could Eve have found wisdom if she really wanted it in a way that would not have brought death to her and her offspring? She could have spoken with and walked with wisdom itself. She could have spent more time in the presence of the Holy One. And wisdom would have become her very nature. You see, at some point in the sandbox, we don't have time to really flesh this out now, but I believe that Eve's desire, when Satan says, for you know that when you eat of this you will become like God, I believe that was a God-given desire. And God says, Eve, I want to invite you into relationship to walk with me. As you walk with me there, you will have no idea how much wisdom you will attain in walking with me, the wisdom that created the cosmos. And Eve says, ooh, yummy, an avocado. That's what the devil says that the original fruit was in this interview that I read to you from. His reasoning was that that he wanted humanity to have a penchant for for fatty foods. That's what they said. Maybe it was an apple. Maybe it was an avocado. We don't know. But so Eve was presented with a choice. Do I enter in more fully to relationship with wisdom itself in the form of the Father, Word, and Holy Spirit? Or do I eat from this fruit and take wisdom and make a resolution, take it into my own hands? And so what I want to propose to us is what might it look like to take these longings that we find surfacing at the beginning of a year and instead of just turning them into a quick fix resolution, it's not that I'm anti-resolution. It's more that I'm pro-relationship. What if we understood these longings that are surfacing as a longing and a thing from God, an invitation from God to go deeper into relationship with God? Can we have a vulnerable sharing moment real quick? Well, let me, I'll, I'll tell you for me real fast. The longing that I'm finding surfacing in me, in my heart for 2016, is a longing for Healing. Not just a longing for emotional healing, soul healing, inner healing, but a longing to be able to eat strawberries. Now, isn't that just such a like out-of-bounds request? How dare you, Chris? Who do you think you have to ask to eat strawberries? But the longing in my heart is to be able to eat vanilla again and not get a headache. To be able to eat strawberries. And what's interesting is I think that that's going to come with my inner healing, my emotional healing, my soul healing. I don't know how that's all going to look. And guess what? Good thing it's an invitation into relationship with the healer himself. What about you guys? Anybody mind sharing with us a longing that you found surfacing in your heart for 2016? Yeah, Brandon. Nice and loud so the, the bleachers can hear you. Did relationship with Jesus ever cost any human anything? (laughs) Was it worth it to them? If you're not sure, read Hebrews 11. Or talk to Larry. (laughs) Or any of us in here, as a matter of fact. Yeah, Kathy, one more. What's a longing that's surfacing in you? Nice and loud. Will you turn so that everybody can hear you? things on the same level (laughs) there's a a lady that Kathy knows of uh, her name's Ruth Haley Barton she writes really good stuff on spiritual formation if you're ever curious to kind of get into that world but one of the things that Ruth Haley says about longing is she says that our desire for God and God's presence and even our desire to encounter beauty because think about remember this Mike we go back real fast Um, the woman saw that the tree was beautiful There was a drawing, in a sense. Eve was drawn to this beauty. I can't stop thinking about snow right now. It feels really obsessive, and it's making me crazy. But I'm trying to look past the snow and say, what is the longing of my heart that is making me feel this so intensely? And it's a longing for beauty. It's a longing for things to be covered up and made clean and made white and made pure. And I'm actually realizing that right now as I'm saying it. It's making me a little bit emotional. But I'm trying to tap into that longing. And it's a longing to connect with God. It's not just because the snow has something in and of itself. It's because the snow points to something beyond itself. It's a longing to connect with God. And Ruth Haley says that that longing, that desire for God and God's presence is the truest thing about us. That it's the truest thing about us. It's more true than our failures, than our faults, than the things that we've tried and stumbled and messed up. That longing, that desire is the truest thing. So am I saying resolutions are bad? It doesn't matter. But do you see what I'm saying, that Eve was invited into relationship? And I think that it's maybe not even an either-or thing, but maybe it's more like a paradox. Can we look at a couple of scriptures that actually hold these two in tension? Because are we saying that it's all God and that it's all God's job to just come in and fix us? and We don't have a role in it? Of course not. But is it easy for us to put it all on ourselves and say, all right, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to blah, blah, blah more. I'm going to blah, blah, blah more. The reason that I've been able to go two more days with reading the Bible than I did in 2015, I know, big accomplishment. Look at you, Chris. Wow. Faithful man. The reason, I guess, the difference between this year and last year for me is last year I wanted to do it to get through the Bible. This year I want to do it to recapture God's story and re, I guess, engage it. With my heart. And there's a lot more grace for myself this time through. Because I'm doing it for the purpose of relationship, not resolution. Mike, will you go to the slide after this? Paul says to the Philippians, I am confident of this, that the one, that one should be capitalized and it should also be that three in one. But, anyways, the one who began a good work among you, in you, some translations say, will bring it to completion by the end, by the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever wondered, well, will I eventually become all that I long to become? Guess what? You don't have to wonder. It's not an issue of will it happen, it's an issue of when will it happen. And let's go to the last one real quick, Mike. And I think this verse holds these two together, this paradox, beautifully. Paul says in the next chapter to them, therefore, my beloved, just as you, and this is plural, but it applies to each of us, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. So he's saying, work this out. There's effort here. Anybody read anything by Dallas Willard? Yeah, good old Dallas. Dallas Willard says this. He says, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And actually, did you know that biblically there are two, there are more, but actually two main meanings to the word grace? What's the kind of grace that we often think about? Amazing grace, unmerited favor, which means what? Forgiveness, right? But what's the second sense of grace that I think we actually find more often in Scripture than the first? Remember when Paul says that he complained to the Lord about this thorn in his flesh? He said he asked the Lord to take it away and God replied and said what? My grace is sufficient for you. Was he saying it's okay, you're saved, don't worry about it. Mm -mm. He was saying my spirit will empower you to make it through with character and integrity. The first kind of grace is unmerited favor and forgiveness, the grace we talk less about is God's animating, energizing presence among us that helps us to be who God wants us to be. In other words, God who is at work within us, enabling us both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Two more thoughts, and then we're going to let Beth come back up. Second to last thought. This whole difference between resolution and relationship is why community groups and time in between relating to one another between Sundays is so important. Because that grace that we need from God to continue to become often comes in the form of relationship, community, vulnerability, sharing, and fellowship. It's not just relationship with God vertical. It's relationship horizontal with one another. The becoming that God is stirring in our hearts has to do with us coming together. But here's the other thing, this was something that God reminded me of last night. Often what happens with these longings that we feel at the beginning of a the year, these longings, we kind of hijack them, we sabotage them, and we turn them into things that we feel like we need to fix. How many of you guys have felt that? Like, oh man, it's a new year, what do I need to fix in myself this year? All right, I need to lose 20 pounds, I need to do this more, I need to do this more, because we think that we need to fix ourselves. And so we're like, all right, God, will you help fix me? And I think that the Father wants to remind us that God is much more interested in knowing us than fixing us. And the beautiful thing is that the fixing happens in the context of the knowing. And if you only heard one thing this morning, may it be that. That God is much more concerned with knowing you than God is with fixing you. And the fixing is a byproduct of the knowing. Beth, would you, once you wake back up, would you make your way back up? Larry, would you mind light dropping us? So here's what I'd like to ask us to do. Take a few moments, take some time as Beth leads us in worship, pay attention to the longing surfacing in your heart. Just take some time and reflection. What longings, what desires have been coming up in my heart? Don't worry about analyzing it. Don't worry about figuring it out. Don't worry about what you need to do with it or what resolution you need to craft around it. Just be there with it. And then say, God, what do you want to say about this longing? How are you inviting me into relationship around this thing? What does it have to do with you? Want an alternative path to pursue during worship, I would encourage you to do this. I've done this and I think it's been really important. We'll see in about a year. But I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit for a word, a term, a phrase, or a picture that will be an anchor, a guide, a trajectory, something for you to hold on to for the coming year. And it might be something super random that doesn't make sense until December 31st of 2016. But God might have something to say to you be that anchor point, that ballast, to use a Betty Fry term, for the upcoming year. So will you listen for that? So listen to those longings and listen for that word that God would say to you, and I'm going to pray for us. As Beth jumps in, feel free to position yourself around the room and whatever is comfortable. You can stand, you can kneel, you can sit, you can go to the back, you can come to the front, you can go to the side. And also, pay attention if God's putting somebody on your heart to pray for. Feel free to encourage one another in prayer. If you get a word, you have a picture or something, for somebody, okay? Father, thank you that you are the ultimate resolution of all our longings. Thank you that you have wired the world in a way that we get to become and become and become and ever become. The new is dynamic, new is not static that you are inviting us into something beautiful, something compelling, something challenging for the sake of our growth and for the sake of knowing you in 2016. And we ask that you would come and meet us this morning. That we would sense you wooing us forward onto that journey. That we would know that you are ever faithful companion. Holy Spirit,